and we're on guys welcome to <laughs> welcome to the why we serve <laughs> with benjamin lake with you as always it's me ben um we've had a big gap so i hope you guys are excited for this one i got another good friend of mine uh dylan gallagher what's going on dylan say hi to everybody what's up man how's everybody doing i hope they're well um we uh <laughs> we tried this like a week ago uh with another buddy of ours and we realized it didn't work too well uh with the double format so we're here trying for round two um dylan i don't want to get too deep into it yet but dylan worked with me uh when we were stationed together for almost basically three years i guess um he became a very close friend of mine and he's kind of going to tell us about his story how he joined what he went through as he joined and in and you know he's out now but not fully but um he's in the reserve still a reserve or guard guard yeah so he still does guard stuff but he's kind of just going to walk us through that uh that whole whole deal and me and Dylan have had very deep conversations throughout our careers about how we feel about the military and stuff so I'm excited to talk to him about this stuff and get his thoughts um last time we talked it was kind of not bullshitting but we were <laughs> we were kind of bullshitting so this time I think we'll kind of dive deeper into the weeds on some stuff and hopefully get a little a little more in depth so dylan i can't thank you enough for coming back on man because i know you're you're just as busy as me man like um, i think that uh it will be on the patreon yeah yeah that other episode guys if i get a patreon going it's the first episode out there uh i i <laughs> i hope we can Not get some subscribers yeah uh dylan tell us man tell the people your story you know Let's start with, you know, your childhood, how you brought up and what really brought you um, to join the military. Actually, um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to shift gears slightly. I'm going to take this just a little bit differently. I'm going to say what I'm doing now just so it makes sense that I'm instead of walking us through. Okay. Is that is that feasible? Dude, you're guiding it. Yeah. Yep. So I'm a uh, I'm a staff sergeant in the uh, United States Army, as currently National Guard, because a lot of people don't un- don't know or understand that that's uh, it's a state entity, but it's a federally ran uh, system. Don't ask me anything other than that because I don't actually know anything about the National Guard, nor am I good. There's so many acronyms and uh, ways that they don't pay you and give you benefits and just other uh, nonsense that I couldn't explain, uh, nor nor will I ever try because I just really like war. Uh, but yeah, so I, my name is Staff Sergeant Gallagher. Uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a team EOD team leader for the, uh, 753rd EOD out of West Virginia. I'm currently living here in, uh, Washington state, a little bit, uh, South of, uh, Seattle in the, uh, joint base Lewis McCord area. And, uh, <laughs> I tell you all of that. So it just makes a little bit more sense. Uh, once we kind of figure out exactly, you know, where we're going throughout this story. 
Uh, and I've been at EOD team leader roughly, I think, 14, 14 years now. So Damn. been in a little bit longer. Uh, not close enough for retirement, especially because it's the National Guard. They count it in weeks and not years. So gross. <laughs> um, all right. So let me uh, let me drink a little bit of my drink and then we'll, we'll I'll tell you. I'll tell you where I started. Ugh. Yeah, maybe sour candy was not the best thing to eat on a podcast. Who would have thought? Um, okay. <laughs> what, you don't like sour candy? Was this No, chips? I hate sour candy, man. I this hate it. I hate it. All right, so don't look at me like I'm the weird one here. Dude, it uh, sucks. It's it's. Uh, they want to when I eat the candy, I go, it's so good. No. It's supposed to be sweet. Yeah, it sucks that I would like, you know, citrus fruit, the kind of things that I've kept by. Uh, you know, people from getting scurvy as they explored. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Skit, scour, sour Skittles are totally equivalent to fucking oranges, I'm sure. Yeah, taste profile, yes, 100%. <laughs> um, cool, let's get it. We don't, yeah, we we get it. You don't like freedom. Uh, but back to what I was saying. Yeah, man, so I was born in Washington, D.C. Uh, area. The uh, actually in Providence Hospital uh, to a uh, beautiful family uh, that had two older brothers at the time. And then, you know, roughly we, we lived a little bit north of Washington, D.C. And then roughly when I was three, I had uh, my father was was taken from our family from a young kid throwing rocks at a um, at oncoming traffic. And then that proceeded to us uh, moving up towards the mountains areas where I, uh, you know, I think at, like at the age of six or so, my, my mother moved us away from the uh, the Chesapeake Bay and then towards the mountains where I, you know, proceeded up until I joined the army. Do you, you think go further into that? I kind of I want to know what were your initial thoughts? Uh, how old were you when your dad died? Uh, so I was three. I was three and a half, I think. Okay. And so it really did, it, it affected it did. my nine year old brother. Yeah. But it didn't really affect me. It's uh, I mean, it, it probably affected me in the long run because now I look at death as not really that big of a thing. Yeah. Uh, as compared, you know, people lose somebody and it's the end of the world. I lose somebody and I'm like, till Valhalla, brother. Yeah. Uh, but you know, without the well, would you, Nazism, would you think, you know, you move from this very heavily populated area. I mean, I don't know, man, because three, you don't know shit from Shinola at three. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, do you think growing up, though, without that dad, did you have a father figure in your life from, like, that age to 18? Yeah, man, Armageddon, John Tabor. Uh, or Harry Tabor. Harry Tabor, uh, Bruce Willis's carry yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. You know, Harry! Yeah, uh, I that's my, my dad in real back. life. You've—I don't know if you—I think you've met my dad maybe once. That's my dad in real life. He's just yelling yeah. at people and shit. I once told my brother that, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, man, Mel Gibson raised me." So that's—we <laughs> <laughs> all just have that. That's yeah, father. I think, dude, I think that's honestly like what people do, and I—I I mean, I probably did it to some extent. I think everybody does it. Like you find that like fucked up father figure in movies and you're like you attach to something man and you're like yeah he's fucking badass that's that's my dad now i'm well, i'm going to live mean, my life on that there's a lot of conversations that i mean are are kind of based around tribalism and evolutionary uh 
setups that could lead us down that road. I mean, I was just watching a uh, a TikTok, which led me to go down a deep dive in a bunch of uh, case studies about how, um, you know, we are biologically set up to, after a certain point, look at our parents as dumb. And then that ultimately leads to us trying to find uh, a different fa- family because we don't, um, you know, we don't think our parents are, you know, inept enough to like be in our, our like our small family. So mm-hmm. we, we branch off and we their village, which from an evolutionary standpoint, that's what you want because you don't want us, you know, well, you marrying want... our sister. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's half and half. And not only that, like think about um as a kid do you ever listen to your parents fuck no you listen to your friends yeah like that's you you learn all your life lessons from your your parents uh your friends parents more than you do yours because you just you live with them and you can't can't tell somebody when they're in it yeah typically your parents you know they give you sage wisdom and your eyes glaze over but then your buddy's parents say sage wisdom and you're like oh my god you changed my life yeah (laughs) you know it's like there's yeah how it is and there's a lot to say about raising not only your kids uh, to be the best they can be, but setting up a good village uh, and a bunch of like, you know, good family friends. So that way they can teach your kids life lessons, too, because I can tell you I have a three or a four year old right now that doesn't listen to me or the shit. Uh, and she is rambunctious as can be. And if I didn't <laughs> put her around strong females and other people uh she wouldn't she'd be one of the most impatient assholes in the world well that's the hardest part dude my my kid my oldest right my oldest boy he is around these other kids that have very you know i'm from obviously you know this small town and you hear about these parents of these other kids and you can tell these kids are a little rougher not bad kids they're just a little rougher but then you hear about their parents. So then they come around my kid and I'm like, how much do I want to impart on this kid? But also I'm worried of their reflection to my kid. Like, do I want my kid dealing with all that bullshit? But I also want my kid to be a stand up steward, you know? So it's yeah. like, what's the balance? You, you, know? good, you also got to not be afraid to put your, your kids like it's half and half you need to you need to put your kids around successful kids so then that way they are also unsuccessful because they'll ultimately get dragged but down by their friends too if they're all pieces of garbage right but in saying that they also need an example to be of what is wrong bingo look back man. at all bingo my friends too yeah so you just got to give them as much morals and, and tools and then hopefully they uh they equal equal that out and go off to do great things because yeah you start hearing that uh, I, I used to always hear that. I'm sure you heard it too. It was always like, um, if you're the smartest person in your friend group, uh, you're doing it wrong. So 100. percent That's Dan Pena. You know that little um, billionaire, billion dollar mm-hmm. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, all your friends are pieces of yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. There, um, and I have a, uh, I actually have a roommate here, a guy that rents one of my rooms, um, that's best friend growing up in high school with Dan Pena's kid. Oh, wow. Dan Pena would always say, stop fucking hanging out with him. Oh, so, damn. I don't, I don't know what about my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is it, what's to say about the roommate? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, he's a good dude, but yeah, that's, uh, it's really funny. No, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, that's, uh, it's a weird balancing act of, uh, 
I also saw a quote, man, that said, never uh, never be sad that you raised dragon slayers in a time of dragons. I really like that, too. Yeah, but we ain't got no dragons now, bro. There's no there's no dragons right now. I mean, there's something. We got a whole, there's a lot know, of shit out here. But, you don't like Tacoma, man. Yeah. Well, you moved out. I don't know, man. My kid, I get told my kid is like the most polite, you know, stand-up kid in the world. But then I talk to him, you know, and I I see flaws. But then you, you start doing introspection. And you're like, I have flaws. So what am I? Who am I to judge this young child? But it's like, you know, I'd rather my kid be the standout child of, you know, he does the right shit all the time as opposed to being like, you know, yeah, he's a tough kid or he's strong, but he does a lot of bad shit, you know? So it's like, it's so, that parenting is just a juggling act of, what do I want my kid to turn out to be? And ultimately, you have no say in it, but you're trying to do the best you can. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's also another thing, though, is you're never going to, your kid, 100%, I mean, maybe a little bit, but we'll say 98% of the time will not do what you want that kid to do because that kid is already doing what you expect that kid to do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You train that kid to be the best kid in the world. And even if that kid just lets you down uh, a hair, that kid is still better than every other kid possible. But he let you down. I like and that. And that's a hard. That's yeah. a hard pill so to swallow, man. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I That's like when my child was two, her fingers don't even work. Her hand, she's literally been walking for a year, but yet I am the most impatient asshole in the world yelling at this two-year-old to go for it. I was just hanging out with my brother-in-law, and he was yelling at his uh, like three-year-old for something. And I was like, dude, he just learned how to use his hand. Like, calm down. But this this is why I hate talking to Dylan, age. folks. I hate talking to Dylan because me and him talk for hours, and I'll find these beautiful moments of truth in there where I'm like, damn it. He's right again, and yeah, I, I'm pretty right. He's he gets it, you know. What no, um, no, a lot of sur- a lot of surfing that I've done, <laughs> both psychedelically and <laughs> and physically, pharmaceutically. Yeah, <laughs> pharmaceutically. <laughs> I'm riding the wave, the benzo wave. Um, no, Brother, uh, you're laying. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, all Theo Vaughn was talking to. Uh, dude, Theo Vaughn is the uh, wild, <laughs> the wildest dude in the world. He was talking to uh, who's that? That fucking rapper who um, everybody loves. He's a white guy, young Young Gravy or whatever. Yeah, Young Gravy, He's man. Talking, yeah, Young Gravy was like, uh, so yeah, I was hitting DMT yesterday, and he was like, oh, you hit DMT? He's like, yeah, I mean, you know, like I'll take puffs here and there, and he like looks at him he's like yeah it's it's low-key and he's like what because you know that dmt like <laughs> it, on the moon yeah for 15 <laughs> minutes your your mind is in another realm <laughs> yeah and he was like i just I, i'll just hit it here and there and he's like what yeah. <laughs> brother favorite video ever i think i said it last time he's like my favorite type of weed was uh cocaine because <laughs> he was addicted to <laughs> cocaine for fucking like five six years i said the 
Yeah, every it's funny because every clip that I see of Theo Vaughn is him just uh, talking about how he was probably almost molested. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> never confirmatory, and you never know if he's joking or not. No, it's a hundred percent confirmatory. But it's like again, did everyone that was above the age of nineteen molest children where he was at? Because like every story is him like, yeah, man, and my teacher. Teacher's like, God damn, look at that dick. And he took a picture of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were yeah, we were playing dodgeball in the parking lot, and we weren't really playing dodgeball. We were playing take your clothes off for the teacher. And (laughs) you know, he's like he says weird shit, and you're like, What? What are you talking about, man? Yeah, that's exact that's exactly what I'm talking about. Everything is like, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, you got to go talk to somebody. Did you ever see him talk yeah. about it? We got to get off this. But did you ever see him talk about his dad? <laughs> no. Because his dad All was right. his dad was like 72 when he had him. Oh, and, yes. Yes, I have seen that. Yeah, and he starts crying about it because he's like, you know, I made fun of everybody with him because I wanted to fit in. And he's like, I think if I would have just tried harder, I'd have, like, connected to him more. He starts, like, crying. She's like. I regret that every day, and I don't know why I did it and stuff. I was like, oh, my God. That would suck, though. Your dad's, like, like 70 well, fucking years old. Like, what do you do? What do you do, you know? You can't play. He made jokes about it a long time ago. He'd be like, what was it, catch or don't? Because <laughs> like, it, it, it was weird, man. Like, you can tell he's, like, awkward about it. Hell, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah! Um, we'll get off of it. Uh, Dylan, it's <laughs> childhood. We went down that. Uh, you know, let's go over just basic high school, high school shit, and then uh, you, because I'm pretty sure you joined right out of high school, right? Like 18 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So let's go down that road. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, long story short, I uh, I was a part of like the the wild kids friend group, and I was always the. Uh, I, I thought I was the, the most unwildest of the wildest, but, uh, like later on in life, I realized that no, we were all just fucking crazy. Um, so I had that, that group. And then while I was it doing all that, I like always knew I was going to join the army. So I did the JROTC stuff too, cause I heard they would give you an extra rank and, you know, I liked suit and ties. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I, did, I did JROTC too, cause they, it was a new, uh, new program and, got coaxed into it um and so it was uh it was just me and my buddy that we we did it all four years because we uh, both knew that we were going to join the military and then while i was all going on i kind of just lived in the woods and, and uh i was somehow the really sociable kid while also not having a lot of friends um so yeah pretty much the ultimate goal was always to join the military and uh and that was kind of what i was set on so just a lot of playing in the woods and camo and stuff do you uh, think do you think do you think the JROTC thing, do you think it led you to, like, I want to be enlisted or officer? Um, So I always was told to go enlisted and then become an officer. Now I, uh, and this is, I probably could freaking get an article or something, another on it, but I absolutely despise the officer corps. Uh, and I, I'm just not a, not a fan of You're it not, anymore yeah. because we, we live in a military where, uh, everybody can read. So yeah. So I'm not a big fan of the officer court. I don't, I don't really understand it. 
You're not the first person. Joined the army for a while, but yeah, you're not. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. I just no. You're fine, dude. You're the first. You're not the first person to say that. You know, as well as my own opinion, I get really frustrated because now I'm like, after E5 or above, and a lot. Like I would say, fifty percent of privates have degrees. So I get very frustrated with officer corps because I'm like, what the hell, what the hell are you guys providing besides a degree, which most of us have anyway, like you're not doing, you're not doing any service. If anything, there should be a hardcore, I think there should be a selection process for officers as hard as, if not harder than, uh, SFAS, uh, I, I don't understand how how it can be like that. I'm going on my my soapbox no, here. No, for sure. You know, no, 100%. I don't know if you agree with me or what. I just I it makes it Dude. breaks me down to the core, man. Because like they want degrees even for NCOs at this point at the lowest level, and I'm like, yeah. well, then what the hell are they doing? You know, it's to me, it's giving the most responsibility to the least, um, like, uh. Uh, what do you call mature not even mature it just yeah i mean at the end of the day we're giving all the responsibility to the 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 youngest dumbest person and we're assigning risk to somebody that's all this is yeah and that's all that it's ever gonna gonna be and i freaking despise it because in my eyes if you're gonna make officers no matter logistics quartermasters ordinance whatever if they came out of that four years like having a doctorate in war and understood stood Lisco down to the like lowest to the highest level, then yeah. But our college systems and everything, like across the board, it all fucking sucks. So a person coming out of school for four years just wasted four years in my eyes when it comes to, to leading anybody because now it turns into this weird thing that we do where we have – like the lowest ranking officer that takes up guys and gets his like first platoon. And then he gets put with a, uh, an NCO daddy, which job is to guide and mentor him. But at the end of the day, the risk falls on that young dude. If everybody fucking dies, it is on the second Lieutenant, which is nonsense. It's nonsense that we have senior NCOs that are like, well, no, this is this is like this is what we do. Like it's your job to ensure that doesn't happen. No, fuck you, because you're fucking both yourself and that leader. Like down to the, the, the lowest level. Yeah. Which is crazy. I and it, like, I I wanted to point this out. I forgot to tell you. I'm not gonna name a name, okay, but me and you worked for a mutual party. I believe um he was an officer. He was there when I left, and then he went to a unit, and now he is the detachment commander. Well, he was, as far as the past six months, he is the detachment commander for a certain group's CRD. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I don't, but, I mean, we can cut all this out, or we can talk offhand. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk, I'll talk to you afterwards, but it's just like yeah. shit like that, right? Where me and you both know this is an inept uh, officer that is not doing his job right. And then, boom, he's in charge of like another, like, 
even higher like functioning organization that actually has a real life mission sometimes and they're not like like how the fuck does that even work because like i can't yeah. like me and you at this lowest level we can't be the only ones noticing this shit like we cannot like i uh, i've talked to some senior leadership about it um you have there's just it's just too drove in and i mean even my boss who is a, a big fan oh. and my civilian boss is a big fan of military traditions and stuff like that. And he's like, you'll just, you'll never like, what would you replace it with? Well, it's all nonsense. Cause it's based off of a system where people couldn't read. Like, I mean, it's, it's just, it's such an old outdated system. Yeah. And I, honestly, our entire government needs to fall for us to, <laughs> to recreate. Right. That. I like the warrant officer system. I like that. I wish they were in charge. I don't, you know why I don't like it? Because at the end of the day, they still fall under normal officers. No, but I'm saying if you had to take it over again, I would make warrant officers just the regular officers. Yeah, I got you. I mean, yeah, like work your way up and then yeah, you know, and jump then over. Prove yourself and it's then just, boom. It's such nonsense. Like, it's such nonsense. And I always, I, I 100% think warrant officers, and I didn't realize this. I think I told you about this. Yeah. I think warrant officers are Samuel Jackson's character in Django Unchained. Yeah, you told me they, about uh, it, yeah. I just like it's it's just such an and and that's not going for my fly boys or uh, or you know fly fly females too, uh, or I guess fly girls. Nah, that doesn't sound right. That's not going for all the pilots and stuff and the people that actually make sense. That's yeah. going for the logistic warrant officers that I just think the are technicians. Nonsense. Yeah, uh, I like it's just it's such nonsense because we're we're, we're setting people up for failure, uh, and we will continue to do such, and it just it it hurts me inside thinking about it. Uh, because I mean, and even then, like lawyers get that, uh, PAs get that, hundred percent, because that is a trained task. But you getting out of college and going to a logistics school for a month and a half means nothing to me, whatsoever. Because I could send a specialist that has two deployments, that or one deployment, the exact same course, yeah. and you're way that person's way more valuable to me. And I'm not trying to give somebody that has doesn't even have their front cortex uh completely developed and is full of testosterone and fucking you know all the hormones i'm not trying to give that person people's lives but i mean at the end of the day this is clearly why we've been at war or why we just got out of a war after 20 years just nothing but nonsense yeah but yeah no that that didn't the rotc just kind of i don't know it, it just gave me something else to do I had two really good like uh, leaders in there um, that were that were really really cool to hang out with and and like great dudes especially now that I'm like older and I, I still keep in touch with them, but that was more or less just an extra extracurricular activity that uh, couldn't really Kept make it busy or break. and stuff or yeah and I always as a kid man wanted to be an officer I mm -hmm. like growing up with Saving Private Ryan like Tom Hanks's character yeah you Fuck see that. Yeah. You see the cool shit, yeah. I mean, you see it in old movies too, like there with cool officers and stuff. I mean, like, like not like, I not I don't know. This is go, man. We, Dylan, I swear to, f oh, every time I talk we to you, man, it's I, I I will go. No, we're not doing part two. I just I can, I could go off on tangents with you nonstop. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just no, I I used to my grandpa right. He was a big uh, 
he would have Encore Western on all the time. I don't know if you know oh, what that is. He, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Isn't that such a fucking man, dude? All he watched was Encore Western, ACM, and TCM. And just watch old yeah. fucking movies every day. And then would watch the Powerball at night <laughs> in Cardinals games. Brother, that was my one grandfather who went to Korea, and the only war story he had was a truck got blown up by a, a landmine. Uh, and then I had another grandfather that all he watched was Top Gun and firefighter movies because he like we he, we tried to watch Saving Private Ryan with him. Yeah, he made it maybe four minutes. Everything at D Day, he got shot in the chest on D Day. Oh yeah, uh, everything. That, that was your grandpa. What was that? Who was that? Uh, that was, yeah, that was my, my pop-pop. That was oh, uh, damn. my dad's. So. Okay. Uh, he, he didn't only get shot in the chest. Yeah. They took the, uh, they left the bullet in. They got him all healed up. He ended up getting back on the front lines. He was taking a shit. He got shot and stabbed. I want to say he got shot and stabbed by a German who uh, just came around a corner while he was taking a shit by himself. Jesus. I want to say he, I want to say he was also at one of the Holocaust or one of the, uh, the camps, the, uh, like the the Jewish camps, yeah, like yeah, part of that, yeah, dude. Just what that a guy, fucking mess, dude. Getting it. never talked about it, not yeah. once. Put you... my JRTC uniform. Slowly start talking, bro. About those it. those old men like that are. They'll never be another group like that. These stoic old men that just live through. I mean, my grandpa wasn't a World War II vet or anything, but the they were just stoic, man. And they lived yeah. through shit, whether it was there or here, and they just dealt with it. Like it's that it's yeah. that what they call it, the greatest generation or whatever. Yeah, dude, they just they dealt with everything. They never bitched and complained, and they were like so sage. You know, it's so crazy. I, I, I personally think they probably did bitch and complain. Probably just would have never seen it, and yeah. nor did our generation see it. It's kind of like uh, you think it was to mom, their wives or like, or just by themselves. No, it was to their wives. Yeah, it was to everybody else at the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, because my grandpa yeah, did they, go to the uh, bar a lot. <laughs> I, was like, I was talking to my my mom was uh, was up here uh, and my neighbor is like a uh, like a physician's assistant or no she does something she occupational therapy she knows i like have kind of a background in psychology yeah she was at she was like talking to me about something and then something came up where my mom was like talking about how the generations for her or her generation they never acted out they just listened to their parents and this this and this and i was like that's not true at all yeah that's not at all created rock and roll yeah have you heard (laughs) of have you heard of the civil rights movement have you heard of woodstock (laughs) have have you heard of motley crew what, yeah, what are you exactly. talking about? Guys, uh, me and Dylan, I love talking to him. Um, I'm going to take a quick break uh, to fix his batteries. And then uh, we're going to come right back into it with his uh, joining, actually, and going through everything. So we'll see you guys in a minute. Hey guys, yeah. we're ba- we're back on the podcast. Uh, me and Dylan, we kind of had a tangent when we were off air, just about like, you know, training kids to join the force. What were you gonna say, Dylan? No, what I was gonna say is, we're fucked up. The army as a whole's fucked up with the whole drill sergeant AIT program. And I was on nine cents. You know why? You were just telling me about a young kid 
who um, was saying that you guys were treating them like children. Um, I think as a whole, the Army does that in the worst way possible. And I know I've had this conversation with you, Ben, because me and you uh, were in the same team as a stockbroker who was, like, really successful before he joined the Army. Talking about Corey? And then, yeah, and we talked (laughs) talked about how he crumbled as a human. And why is that? Why Why is the Army... Why is there so many shitty fucking people that are E4 and below when at the end of the day, they're adults? I personally think it's because we strip so much responsibility from people and we treat them like children up until two years and then we decide that they're a leader from there on. I think that's wrong. The Air Force doesn't do that. When you go, if you ever deploy by yourself or you ever go to like an Air Force terminal, you will show up to a terminal and the person you're talking to is at most an E3. E3 and that E4, E3 yeah. is probably is running the terminal. Yeah, That's what they should be because they're an adult. They're old. Army, we would never fucking do that. We would never. No, it'd have to be an E5 or something. It's probably a salty E6 that sucks. Honestly, the Army with responsibilities that are like, well, they're not that big a deal. Uh, We'll put an E6 in there that's done with the Army. It's like, no, he still sucks. You're just putting him in a role that like you think is not important, but it probably is. And then you wonder why it falters. Yeah, and we like we're. Uh, risk adverse leadership wise that we don't give people the power at a young like age in the military not age by like how old they are but just starting so that way they spend two years getting fucking their hand held and then we're like you have to be a leader and then what do we get we get nothing like we do so bad at that and the whole drill sergeants and AIT students like what to me is fucked up because if you're in your AIT being your AIT, man, you should already be an adult. If you're not an adult, we should cut you out. And that's a hard thing to say uh, because we need the numbers and we need to drive those numbers. But at the same time, though, we handhold so many people. And I'm not saying be like Delta where you're running by yourself uh, like 100%. No, work as a team, but I shouldn't have to carry you as a team. And maybe that's just my small team tactics that I've been in my entire career. But I think. I think what you're talking about is the same thing. I think because we both have been in, um, me, I've been in, you know, I was in CR, the CRT thing with tech escort for you, me and you doing the same thing. And then I was in a signal unit in S3, which is obviously not small units, but it's staff and it was small staff. And then I went to group, which is small unit. And then I went to here, which is, Hard to explain, but it is actually small unit tactics because I'm with four other drills right now and a first sergeant. And that's it. That's all I do to run my everything. I have to outsource it all. Um, I think I think the Army, I really wish it would, but I know it will. When me and you are solving world problems right now over the dinner table, but... Um, I really wish they would go to smaller unit tactics. Like I wish they would focus on squad and team elements and get away from the giant stuff. Like, like, no, cause we need Lisco. We need Lisco as, as much as we need everything else. But what's Lisco? I don't know what Lisco is. 
large scale combat operations. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you need you to. need you need that, right? And it's because Russia, Ukraine, China, that's what we're focused, right? Or North yeah. Korea. But but people need to work at a small scale before they get to those big big operations. We're not we're not worried about that right now. Everybody's worried about oh, how can we maneuver a brigade unit into some type of force and it's like okay yeah yeah we need that for if shit hits the fan but i also need this fucking team or squad to operate as a function i need a platoon that is coherently sound that can get shit done that's my Dude, thing it's all fear it, it's all risk adverse leadership and it's, it's literally a hundred percent goes back to that officer problem that I was talking about yeah. because you, if you're afraid of your soldiers taking responsibility for themselves because it will fall back on you, you won't let them do shit. And like world war two, all of the fucking great things that everybody in the military has grown up thinking about is not based off of this concept that we're like, okay, you're not going to do this. No, you just do it, man. Like, do you remember when we were on the range and we were shooting uh, saws and I wanted to stand up and shoot my saw and they wouldn't let me shoot yeah. my saw from the yeah. stand up? How how much nonsense is that, especially with the Lima version that's compact, yeah. that's literally made small and shoulder fire? How much nonsense is that yeah. to never let shoot that saw? When... I multiple times through combat have shot saws from my shoulder position because I'm not going to lay down to shoot a machine gun. No, that's ever. the big thing. It's like what makes sense in the situation? What makes sense? And if people are like, well, that's not what doctrine says or that's not what the the task org says, whatever, that's not okay. I get that, but we're trying to figure out what the fuck works in combat. If people have combat experience, let them have their input and we'll work on that because that's what works. No. And it just, again, it, it goes to, to fear, the fear of a leader uh, and not the, not the, uh, the like, you know, uh, what is the chain of responsibility? Uh, it should be on the chain of responsibility to go, Hey, sir, you need to like, you need to let us sign this whole risk assessment and then do it and do it to the risk assessment because that's ultimately what the army wants. When the army fails or when the fails, the trailer flips over or whatever, we want to be able to look at this paperwork right. and say, hold them. They weren't supposed to do that. So yeah, if you're shooting guns doing CQB or close quarter combat, like uh, close quarter combat drills, and you want to stand up and shoot a gun, well, okay, write whatever paperwork has to say that you did everything as safely as possible, and then fucking do it. Yeah. But we don't even do that. We yeah. don't even do that anymore. And that's, no. I mean, and like, again, I think that's the problem with uh, the drill sergeants and AIT. I get it. Like I, I said it last time. The coolest thing and most scariest thing I ever heard was, oh, you thought basic training was bad? I'm not a drill sergeant. I never got told those fucking rules. I'll smoke you till you die. That is the scariest thing you ever hear when your AIT platoon sergeant is smoking you to death. Yeah. And I mean, I I I saw it when I got to my regular unit because I, you know, I had a platoon sergeant that was chill. I think he smoked very much. I get to my unit. I had 
um, a guy you and I both know. Um, he was my first line NCO. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. He used to every if I was late to the ten minutes prior, every minute past that, he would make me do push-ups, and he would just he smoked the he was good he I liked him, but he would smoke the dog shit out of me for that shit, and then there was other NCOs in there that would smoke the dog shit out of me for stuff, and it taught me like other stuff like it. It's not bad. It's just. It was how they operated, and I became a better person for it because I was like, well, fuck this. I got to be on time. And, I mean, even as a – No, I'm half and half, though, man. I'm half and half because I like yeah. things people's lame. I think that's – I think a lot of times it's lame. I think, like – I think you're just bullying people at that point. Well, I think uh, you are, I, like, but I, I think – Dude, but, but you got to be the type of person that understands from that. I always tell people – the thing I learned, right, is because I was a physical person, so I learned when I got smoked, okay, I won't do it again. Some people learn not from smoking. Like, they'll get smoked like dog shit out of them. They'll still fuck up because either they're a piece of shit or they're not understanding of that. If they get, there's some people, the second they get a piece of paper to them that says they fucked up, they're like, oh, I won't do that again. Not a lot of people like that, and I don't condone it. Like, I'm the type of drill that is going to just smoke the dog shit out of people mostly. I don't like to write shit on paper. Um, but yeah. I I think... That's, I was going to be my no. What's it's, up? It's a half and half. If you're an IET student, yeah, this dog shit. Like, group punishment, sure, 100%. But when you're in the act of, like, full army i think like smoking people's dumb but i also you have to be aware the not all people are uh intelligence wise is created equal and like there's some dumb motherfuckers who literally all you can do is get to them is by smoking the dog shit out of them but like me you do paperwork or you smoke me that's not gonna help man i'm probably just gonna disrespect you more but you, you know would you, you say i'm sorry What's up? I'm sorry. I'll let you finish. No. Uh, yeah. I'm Like, if you try to smoke me or you try to put paperwork on me, I'm probably just going to disrespect you more. And I'm going to figure out whatever way that I could possibly get around you uh, and, and do that more. But you, like, a dad face me and you talk to me like a man and tell me you're disappointed, I will fucking shut down and fix everything for you. That's right my, off the bat. That's my ultimate uh, drill sergeant mode. Is when really shit hits the fan. I tell soldiers I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. And yeah. how they really let me down. And then you look around. And you see the faces. And you go you know what. I think I hit something there. I was going to ask you though. Um, do you believe. Counseling on paper. Has an effective reasoning to it. Hell yeah. Because once again. It is all about paper trails and legally getting away with shit. This is all this all it is it's all it's ever been, and we've done so bad at as like an NCO uh, core as a whole as understanding that yeah. and use paperwork properly because uh, so like EOD is is pretty dope. Uh, I don't know if it still exists, but there was a probationary period where you had eighteen months to figure out if you fit or not, and then the commander would just kick you the fuck out 
because if you didn't fit within the group you weren't a part of the group and they would, they would just yeah sorry you're not you're not here to ride with us and they would uh they would force you out uh in my eyes you should do that all the fucking time but that doesn't help for numbers that doesn't help right, for the big right. army of of a ratio of, of i think it's like I think we have like a, a six to one or three to one or something where we have like anytime we fight somebody, we have to outnumber them. Like three to one. Every yeah. battle needs three to be to one. Like that. Three to one is technically yeah. the, the the standard. And then Rangers do six to eight. You know that? That's how Rangers I didn't Rangers know that, but that's three. Things. I don't know why they say six to eight when it, that's three to four. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. They, they, they they it, it's it's something where they have to like when they hit a target they're they're showing up with all of their friends and all yeah. the speedball missions but a lot of the times they plan those missions like that anyway so i don't even know why the fuck they're worried about it it's just i mean but again this is all lisco stuff this is all yeah this is all understanding the fight uh which it's i mean that's 100 percent. it's all like like the paperwork is a big big important thing that man, dude, I used to love when I would fuck up and somebody would smoke me because, like, that whole double jeopardy thing. God, thank God for that, right? Smoke me all you want. You know, that's not a real thing, though. I looked that up. You can still actually counsel someone even if you smoke the dog shit out of them. No. Yeah. I will. Uh, okay. No, I ha- whatever. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. I-, I get what you're saying because I used to think that too. I was always like, yeah, they smoke me. I can't get counseled at that point. And then I learned, oh, you actually still can get counseled for the whatever action it was. They just put whatever ha- like the corrective action in the plan. Um oh, yeah. so I that did not sense. know that. So food for thought for anyone out there that is getting this dog shit smoked out of them. I mean to be fair though, I maybe when I thought that or when I knew about that whole rule, I didn't know what an actual article 15 entailed. I just thought you could get article 15. Uh, but I don't actually know what an Article 15 entails, too. I've always said that I would, like, sit down one day and read everything in the Army uh, because that's a possible thing. We pretend like there's a lot of information out there, but there's really not. Like, all the FMs, there's only a handful of FMs. Like, if you compared FMs to, say, uh, literature on Rome, there is way more literature on Rome, and there are people that study their entire lives for Rome. I mean, that's that's objective, bro. You could say, like, how many books has David Goggins written? He's written two. Well, how many FMs are there? Well, there's probably, like, 200. Well, shit, I'm not reading that. Yeah, but what I'm saying is it's only 200, and then you're done. And that's all of the ones that are actually dated correctly and are still, still like, yeah. signed by it. I get what you're saying. It's just you know, that's a lot, bro. That's a lot. Or, or you think of like an Audie Murphy board? Like yeah, that seems that's, like a lot. Yeah, it but seems they, like a lot, but it's not. Yeah, you just memorize it and you know it. Like yeah. it's not. You know what I mean? Like if you just sat down and went from one side of the military to the other, you could learn everything about it, and it wouldn't be that hard. It's not like you and you wouldn't get a doctorate. Like you, like you know what I mean? Like there's not enough information. I feel like you would just need like a certain amount of time of isolation to where you're like, oh yeah, I'll sit down and read this. That's a lot of isolation, though. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. But I mean, people read stu- people read the Twilight series. So like, like. Bro, the Twilight yeah. series is pretty good, though. No. <laughs> I never read it. I was just like, uh, sounds good. Bro, did you ever hear the? I gotta. We gotta keep going, but I I want to go over one conspiracy. 
about the oh, the, idea the 911 uh, thing uh, hang on are you talking about the replacing of um uh, what's what's the male vampire in that uh edward Ed yeah replacing edward with the t-rex no it's like it, this one is like uh when 911 happened a uh, literature. There was some type of literature or some shit that happened. Uh, I don't know. Oh shit! What was it? Let's. I'll, I'll say it's her first. She was inspired by nine eleven to write uh, literature. Stephanie Meyer was, which in which became Twilight series, which in turn uh, gave uh, fan fiction to. Uh, something that became Fifty Shades of Grey, and then there was like another thing that came off of that, or before Stephanie Meyer, that was another shitty ass series, and it was basically like nine eleven caused these atrocities to happen, like it was just nah, insane. I I don't I don't who knows that could be a real thing. It is, but no, all you do is think about a T Rex sitting behind Bella, and she's like like. I see your scaly sin, your small arms, your big teeth. And then he literally say he's like, say what I am. And she's like, a T Rex. That's just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> Jesus. That's all I care about when it comes to Twilight. I really give two shits. I love I'm Team it. Jacob. <laughs> I like shirtless natives. Dylan, we're going to go back. <laughs> we're going back. So you joined. Let's talk about when you joined. Uh, what you joined for, and then basically AIT. Just go over those things. Okay. All right. So I joined back in 2009 as a uh, explosive or disposal technician. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, long story short, went to MEPS. Uh, my uncle took me there. He made me um, figure out a job because we, we just got my ADVAP score back, and they pretty much said I could do anything. And I was like, I want to shoot a gun out of a helicopter that's so big handles and shit fall from the ceiling like on the movie the matrix and the guy was like i can't ha get that for you but what i what what you, you should be seaburn that's what he said no he didn't he did not say that i think he actually said seaburn fucking blows <laughs> he, he said don't worry this will haunt your past and he put a cigarette on me uh but <laughs> no he said uh he said you want to blow stuff up and i was like yeah he goes all right there's two ways you can do it one where you go to a lot of school and you'll be guaranteed to, or one where you go to school just a little bit and then um, you might get to blow stuff up. And I was like, well, let's go to that one with a lot of school. Well, flash forward, uh, uh, 19, 2009 had its own COVID, which was a swine flu. And uh, they t decided to test a uh, company of young soldiers. I guess, I think it was a battalion of young soldiers on the swine flu vaccine. And uh, my bunkmate got pneumonia and another one died uh, so Jesus. i lost a bunch of weight and i didn't make it through eod school and they told me that i was a 91 delta and even at the time you tried to google it and that didn't come up because they changed the code and flash oh. forward i found in fort lee as a power generation technician uh and it was horrible can i and i just want to point out for the listeners an eod tech what he joined for originally right that's a bomb technician. That's what people saw in the Hurt Locker. That's what people like. That's it's a bomb tech. They fucking 
No, it's SpongeBob. They work on bombs. They're bombs. <laughs> no, um, I mean, uh, it's actually there's a bunch of people that argue that it's not. It's better than a bomb technician because uh, bomb technicians do limited. But uh, I mean, that's just me oddly flexing. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, no, it's okay. I get, I get it. It's a you're prideful. I if anyone is ever met at EOD tech and if they haven't, uh, they're prideful of their job, which they should be. It's a very, it's a very stressful and hard job. Um, and Dylan unfortunately lost that at that point, And he went to be a generator mechanic, which is what he was describing. Um, he's going to, it's, it's a generator technician. I'm sorry. They're be- yeah. They're I was better. told all times while I was suicidal at, uh, at Fort Lee. Jesus. <laughs> we're going to jump into it, guys. I got to take a quick break, but we're going to jump right back into it. Okay. Guys, we're back. Okay. We're back. Dylan. EOD. We get a little sicky sick. And then we're off to <laughs> generator school. Tell us about it. It was miserable. Are you we're, were you pit I'm sorry, before I get into that. Were you mad, bro? Were you like pissed yeah. beyond relief or what's up? Yeah, I don't want to be in the military anymore. I picked it. Um, I picked to be an infantry, a uh, combat engineer, and a military intel. You know, just because you might as well get out and have something on your belt. But I got n- in none of those whatsoever. Um, it was me and this other guy, and we um, got down where they like. We were talking about AIT not treating you like adults. They treated you like, like adults in EOD school because you're an adult. Uh, but man, we got their actual AIT and God, that was the worst place ever. I've never wanted to, um, you know, jump off a bridge or a three story, uh, building in Fort Lee, uh, um, ordinance campus ever in my life until yeah. that ordeal. Um, and it was, it was its own wild ride because they were trying to figure out how they were going to run the ordinance school. Cause it was brand new at the time. And, had a, they didn't even have the EOD building wasn't even built up there. And there was just a big sign that said like future coming EOD training center. And I remember just being so upset because I had to be a bomb tech, but there was like a light at the end of the tunnel. Or I mean, I, I had to be a, a power generation technician and the, uh, the light at the end of the, end of the tunnel was like, they said uh, there was contractors that already did generator work in uh, like Afghanistan, Iraq. So realistically they would just put us on trucks. And I was like, well, that's going to be awesome. So I had that to look forward to. Uh, and I even, like, at one point tried out for the old guard. Um, but they ended up not selecting me. I don't know. I think I might have been a little too tall. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, which, thank God I didn't do that because that would have been freaking miserable, yeah, that, too. Yeah, that would have been. Uh, for the people that don't know what the old guard is, it's, like, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, Arlington Cemetery Funeral Honors, shit like that. It's very arduous and very, like, it's kind of, it's not I don't know. It's not Dylan's cup of tea because it's very arduous and like. Um, My cup of tea is like shooting bubble gum. Yeah, Dylan, want, Dylan wants to be out in the field. That's not field. That's like very um, ceremonial bullshit. And it's, I mean, it's not for everybody. It's a very, it's a, it's a hard job. 
but it's not a um, field job and it's not a even administrative or platoon sergeant job. It's just a lot of ceremonies. Yeah. And I mean, there's a time and place for that. And, uh, I like, I used to love drilling ceremony when I was a younger dude. So maybe, maybe that, that could have been good for me. Uh, but as a grown person of myself now, I'm just, uh, I'm very happy I didn't go through that. And I mean, that doesn't say a lot of things. Cause like Mike Glover, uh, that guy who uh, runs field craft yeah. revival, he was a Delta dude. He spent time with the old guard. He was an honor um, guard. So, yeah. He was there for like two or three years. Yeah, so I mean, and there's a lot of like I've always only always heard great things about running through DC. Like uh, we have a, it's a good culture. Yeah, well, I no. so I keep interrupting. Uh, we have a drill. Uh, he was there. Um, very like very solid drill. He's not in my company or anything. He's in. He's not even in the battalion. He's a 88 Mike, but we share a building with him. Solid dude though, just solid dude. And he was like. I was like, how was that, man? Like, because that seems so much. He's like, it was the hardest I've ever studied. It was a very ridiculous tasking, but I am grateful for it. And it made me a very stronger NCO because it probably put him through the ringer of bullshit. Um, I'm not saying I condone it or decondone it, but uh, he's a as far as I've seen him, he's the only one I've met and he's solid as shit. So take it for what it's yeah, worth. I mean, you know? it takes a, it takes a very, very certain type of person. And I, I don't know. I, um, I was, I probably would have got kicked out for like drinking or something. Cause that's just, I was, I was young, dumb and full of cum. So that's <laughs> not the place for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're trying what? to do this safe for, <laughs> no, I don't, I, I've had people say way worse. Um, you see, you get through the, you know, the, that you're kind of depressed, not depressed, but you're mad. You get through the school, obviously, cause it wasn't that difficult. Um, where'd you go first? Yeah. So I had a, uh, Sergeant major pick, uh, my duty station about a week prior to me, uh, like graduating. Uh, he asked me where I wanted to go, and I said, I don't know. And then he's like, do you like Tennessee? And then he put me in the 101st doing his uh, magical Sergeant Major things. And uh, I was printed orders, and I got to my first duty station. Uh, and then I think like a month and a half later, I deployed. So A month and yeah. a half? Yeah. Were you yep, excited? Yep, yep. or? Oh, dude, I remember being at a reception and then being like, if you're here, you will deploy. And really? I was like, Hell yeah. Because that's yeah. all I want to ever to do. I, mean, I, th- I grew up war generation. Yeah, I think uh, all of us, I think prior to like 17 maybe, I joined in 15, so I know mo- I can speak for that, I guess. But uh, I remember most of us joining, we were like, fuck yeah, let's deploy. You know, you, you don't really understand it, but you're just like, yeah, I want to do it. Um, so I'm sure that was like a hell yeah, you know, when you got there. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of the only reason I want to join the military was to, uh, to uh, serve in uh, overseas and do overseas things. I always had like that whole send me mentality without being religious or, or corny. Uh, but that was, that was always the thought process was that go overseas and do that. 
Uh, so to, to get told that I one was in the hundred first, which was badass because you know it's the Screaming Eagles. Uh, yeah. It's Matt Damon, David Private Ryan. Matt Damon. Uh, two, I get to my first unit, and it's a part of Fourth B- uh, BCT, which was uh, Kurhi, which is the original, like it's the first Band first of part of shit. Band of Brothers shit. Uh, so yeah, dude, it was it was nothing but badass. And then yeah. I got I got attached to a cavalry unit that was out there. Which um, if you Google it, it's the unit Jimi Hendrix was in. But I don't know if that's true or not. So I mean, whatever, we'll leave it at that. I also heard then, he was a piece of shit in the army. Hot take. I don't give a fuck what people say. Jimi Hendrix was a dog shit soldier. <laughs> Hey, did you ever um, you ever wonder why we still haven't passed women for selective service, uh, even though that they can serve in the infantry? And you ever wonder with all the stuff that's going on in the media with trans, like if you ever had a draft, you could just say you were a female. Just saying, World War Three's around the corner, boys. You're now women. So you went to <laughs> Afghanistan? No, <laughs> did I get well? Hey, if you're listening, I'm a I'm about to start a Patreon, okay? <laughs> and uh, me and Dylan are gonna uh, jump into a bunch of hot takes. So, yeah. um, listen in for that. It's uh, Patreon OnlyFans, uh, Feed Finder. It's follow me on Tinder, boys. Yeah. Follow me on Tinder. It's called Benny and the Hot Takes. Okay, we'll be there. <laughs> Benny and the hot takes. I like it. Um, I like it. Uh, no, I wanted to ask because I, I had a different deployment experience than you. Obviously, uh, your first one, you know, you get your got all this hype. Um, you get ready to go. Was there any train up in that month or anything or what? Uh, for me, and uh, for me, I was just loading up gear at the airfield right. for other uh, while they were putting me through SRP meetings and uh, I've, which I'm, I'm happy because I didn't introduce me to the whole NTC JRTC rotation. Yeah. Until that shit I was sucks. After back. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Until I, like after, and I was in EOD tech, uh, but like, I don't know, man, it was a different army uh, and maybe it is the same army, but like, I remember a dude going to the airfield uh, or getting told like a week before my unit deployed. Cause they deployed before me. Yeah. Uh, and, I remember them saying, like, because his wife, like, became a schizophrenic and dipped. Them, like, straight up telling him, uh, all right, so you're going to show up the airfield, and then we're going to give your kids over to uh, CPS, and then uh, we'll deploy from there. Holy shit. And he was like, what? Yeah. Which was weird, because it's 2010. Like, do we really need a, a heavy-wheeled mechanic uh, over in Afghanistan Just let much? the dude stay. <laughs> like, just let the dude take care of his family but but freaking poor camel sweet man because the year before or before i left and when i came back we still had like a world war ii sergeant major who would run up and down market garden hell yeah uh, like one major strips and like motivate people so hunter first was dope in some ways there was also a lot of craziness like um we had like two sergeant majors that got in like shootouts like one sergeant major of the post sergeant major got in an armed shootout, and then the next day retired. So like you know, what? it was it was sick. It was a sick time. But yeah, I got to my first deployment. My first deployment was pretty uh, cool. I was a power generation technician. 
Uh, and, uh, dude, I like didn't know shit about generators because the army, once again, army letting its soldiers down, don't teach you anything <laughs> about your actual job. And then when you're first, you're, you land in country and they're like, just learn from this guy. And he is a 10 year specialist. You come to find out that guy doesn't know shit either. Uh, so it's just nothing but garbage. It's what was that nothing. dude's name? You told me that dude, he was a piece of shit. Uh, his like... name was uh steven wesley but that's wesley. because he changed that's what it was from crap uh i also told you that somebody may or may not have for six months can't come in his face lotion uh, so, <laughs> you know, that guy's bad i went on a the last conversation i know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was bad i had a fight on site. i still i will fight on site that guy yeah for uh, those that are listening guy. Um, me and Dylan, well, it'll be on Patreon, guys. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> me, and, me and Dylan talked about this dude for a good like twenty minutes. This guy was a piece of shit uh, specialist, and by that we just mean, um, he didn't do jack fuck, you know, during the deployment. He did nothing, and then he likes to place blame on everybody else. He is a piece of shit human being. So Dylan was in the right, you know, yeah. Dylan was out there being a PFC, uh, chain smoking cigarettes in the parking lot and, uh, basically fixing everything that they needed, uh, while being a dilapidated piece of shit, obviously, and still 20 times better than this fucking asshole. So I hope he hears this, Wesley, wherever you are, God send and um you know have fun not doing well in the army so dylan did that and you know that's just, that's what happened huh yeah thanks boo yeah. i mean yeah, no, no i just i, I wanted to cover i wanted to cover it man i'm not i'm not trying to like talk over you i just i wanted to wrap it up yeah, as best yeah, i could i was like this guy from what i heard was a piece of shit no, not only that, I don't really want to rant on about how much I don't like somebody yeah. uh, this time. So you're covering me for that. Yeah. Uh, no, long story short, I had to do a lot of reading on my own so I could actually learn how to, uh, you know, fix generators. Because fun fact, there was no contract on my base. And it was just me oh, wow. fixing generators uh, left and right. And while we were getting rocketed and, like, drive-by shot were at you- our base and all that stuff. Sorry, were you in Afghanistan? Yeah, I was in northeast Afghanistan. Oh, northeast. Oh, okay. Oh, you were far over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jalalabad is like where the Navy SEALs brought bin Laden's body. Yeah, it's like, for those that don't know, it's it's not right up against, but it's closer to Pakistan. It's like on that side. So he was up there. Yeah, I mean, to put this into... uh, to put this into to terms. Oh, wait, a little conspiracy alert, conspiracy alert. Uh, <laughs> uh, the SEAL team that was on base, <laughs> uh, my buddy was fixing his air conditioner, uh, their air conditioners, and they flew out in the middle of the night, and then they came back, and they all seemed very disgruntled, and then Bin Laden was dead, and then flash forward, uh, extortion six happened, and a bunch of Navy SEALs died. So... I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, Dylan, I got a question I've been aching for. You probably know the answer. Dev grew. Okay. Is that SEAL Team 6? 
Yes. Same yes. thing, right? Yeah. And it's considered the top SEAL team, yeah? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it it kind of falls under the same fact that, like, our special forces groups are all made to uh, train and uh, train guerrilla resistance forces. But then you have Delta, which job is to, uh, well, though they are Well, they're a hostage. Forces, well, they're a counter-terrorist group. Yeah, I mean, but every all all of technically all the special forces Our are counter terrorist group. Yeah, uh, but Delta's main job is hostage rescue. Yeah, and, yeah, know, and that's how Dev grew is too, though, right? Yes, that's okay. like they're they're strictly that same mindset. It's it's their certain... counterpart in the Navy, basically, right? Yeah, pretty okay. much. But. At the same time, though, Delta, I don't know, man. I don't know enough about that world. And, right. I don't know. either. And I just always hyper, like, I hyper fixate on it because I love listening to their fucking stories. But uh, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, what's the fucking different in, difference in mission set here? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know enough about that world. The little that I do know about it. Uh, I mean, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, it's the. Uh, it's it's I don't know it's such a it's such a unique uh, skill set a unique yeah. mission that it fits such a, a certain thing that uh, it's all just speculation if you're not on the inside. Do you, do you think me and you know more about Delta because we're in the army and we hi- and we focus on that, or do you think DevGrew just does not get as much uh, focus? Well, I don't. I I think we know more about delta because we know about delta and uh yeah i would tell you i would tell you a whole story and then i would yeah yeah uh because i've signed a bunch of ndas uh so that's why i know but i I do like dev grew i think they they, keep their secrecy man i think they keep it good no no they don't it's the opposite like they're the problem they got fucking uh, what's his fucking nuts? Uh, the guy who killed Bin Laden, who decided to tell. Oh, he wrote the book. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he and wrote the book. You got Captain Phillips. You got all of that different yeah. shit. And then where you Delta, who, dude, they made their spokesperson a canine when uh, Soleimani died, or when yeah. you know, very much. Yeah, they're like, like a elite uh, Delta force. So the elite force took down Soleimani. I think it was Soleimani. And then they're like, yeah, this dog's awesome. And then you just saw the dog everywhere. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's Sean, a lot of, I, Sean Ryan, if you're listening and we know you are, uh, just hit us up so we can rectify this. I'll go on there, obviously. <laughs> um, and we'll no, figure this out. A lot of stories that you like, you know, when you read the different books that the media will never talk about. Yeah. Like with Iran and uh, Kosovo and all like the the cool ass things. And, right, you know, we right. Talking about public art. Uh, so I mean, I don't know how many missions SEAL Team Six does, but I've watched the TV show. Uh, that that's that seems great, but I mean, at the same time though, it also seems like every other SEAL Team. So I can't really, I can't tell. I just it's all outside speculation. Yeah. You, how long are you in? Uh, how long were you in Afghanistan for? Uh, it was, uh, that, it was, I think almost like 14 months with a month in the middle. Jesus, man. It's a long time. 
great dude that whole having a month in the middle because you you end up taking 15 days to, to leave you take 30 days to leave and another 15 days to come back yeah like that shit is so refreshing and really so good yeah it compares to like just nine months back to back to back yeah that's miserable go no Especially if you have nine months yeah that's just the military saving money man that's all that is yeah the nine months is ass i did 12 months but you know i did a a two-week break in the middle and i felt amazing when i came back you know most people do yeah. um so i get it and but it man it's still long whole, dude still long it goes back to that whole being an adult thing dude there's something really cool about being on your own flying across the country yeah that r&r yeah uh, dude like you feel badass when yeah. you're going on leave. Even though you're just another cog in the machine and it's <laughs> you and people who are getting on this this C one thirty to fly to Kuwait. Yeah, like you're you're not actually by yourself, but it feels like it. And I think the army kinda needs to do more of that. Bro, I rode on a C one thirty with the whole ODA and it was so we were nut to butt, like it was close as fuck. It was so cool though. I felt so I mean like you're not even doing nothing crazy, but you feel so cool. You're just like, man. Did they pull out the hammocks? No, they didn't. It was nuts to butt, bro. It was you couldn't. Yeah, oh, that sucks. That yeah. super sucks. Yeah, like my favorite thing is I've done it with the SEAL team. And I've done it just as an EOD unit. Uh, is flying with your own gear, so you just got like connexes in the middle, and then you yeah. hook up hammocks, lay around on the floor. Yeah, you told like, me about that shit. Best. That's cool. That's fucking dope. Or my favorite was like when we were transporting that bio agent out of, or that uh, that uh, chem agent. Oh, with like old. the four other guys from from Eleventh, right? Yeah, yeah. And just, it was us, and then like thirty uh, army people because in a war zone they're considered uh, cargo. Yeah, and uh, I remember just watching everybody like confused as we're monitoring this box. Did Scott go awesome. with you? Yeah, you know he's a warrant now. Yeah, you told me that. He's the man, dude. I love him. Side note. Um, I mean, that really fits for combo warrant. Yeah. He's he's the yeah. man, dude. I love Scott. I he was so fucking funny. Got me through that first yeah. that first uh duty assignment. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. He's the coolest. I think yeah. you're the coolest. You're one of my favorite people. You're fucking uh Jason Siegel. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> oh, for, for everyone listening, uh, Dylan's had this eight-year joke basically going. Not even joke that I am Jason Siegel, and every yeah, single watch, person watch. he meets, he goes, "Doesn't he look like Jason Siegel?" And they all go, "Yeah, yay, kind of does." And I no, dude, it's not about the way you look; it's about the way you get flustered. So funny. Yeah, you get pretty flustered. I mean, now that you're a big bad drill sergeant, you probably don't get flustered anymore. But no, I get flustered. Is a lot bigger than Jason Siegel. It's more like uh, Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill, and like uh, everything. Just getting very. Angry. Oh, what you just? Start... <laughs> I just smoke pot a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you just get really high by yourself I in your get, car. Yeah, I just get really fucking high. Ask Leonardo DiCaprio to be your friend. You just you like every time you get up. <laughs> Message leader or Capro to be your friend. Why aren't you my friend? <laughs> Dude, I love those movies. They uh 
Yeah, man. But uh, yeah, we were in Afghanistan, <laughs> and uh, it was a fun <laughs> bringing it back. Uh, yeah. It was a fun ride. They like I I got to be a part of a couple really cool missions, and I got to go out and serve in like a on this J cop, and fucking you know, mm-hmm. uh, surrounded by bad people that hated us, and doing a lot of really cool shit. That's uh, cool. While I was out there. Do you, um, so you came back, do you regret any of it or did you appreciate it like a hundred percent? Yeah. I killed. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Don't boo me. I have no soul. I'm like Mitch <laughs> McConnell. I stole that from the press brief last night. <laughs> That's, that was, that was legitly a thing I said. Um, no, dude, I don't, I don't regret any of that. I, uh, I, I told you a long story about my ex-girlfriend <laughs> and how cringy it was. Oh, That's yeah. probably the only I regret. Uh, but, I mean, long story short, I ended up dating her best friend. So <sighs> it worked It worked out in the best. All I'm going to say is the chaplain's right. That's and It sucks, but he statistically is right. Your girlfriend will cheat on you, uh, and uh, all your friends will not grow up. And yeah. You get back. Uh, they still say do. that shit, dude. They still say it. Yeah. No, my favorite thing is it's like people are like, did war change you? No, man. War was like taking a 12 to 13 month pause and then coming back and everyone else great race. I was like, I just had less joke or I had more jokes. That was the only. Well, uh, you just I think I think what you realize and everyone realizes is that war whether good or bad, right? Whether good or bad, it accelerates the aging process. That's why all those kids back before the Middle Ages, basically, Middle Ages and back, maybe even Revolutionary War and back because even 15-year-olds were fighting. You go that far back, like all these kids, like they looked like adults when they were 20 or 19 years old. And everybody's like, well, how the hell could they do all that? And I'm like, well, they saw war. They probably were adults. No, I don't know, man. It was also a, a different cut of cloth. I was uh, I was talking to my boss about this. Uh, there was a... Uh, um, yeah, uh, I was talking to my boss about this. I work with like a, a bunch of really super crazy... Uh, like they've written books and they've done this and they got their pods license and they're working on their doctorate and they're doing all, like, all of this crazy stuff. And I was talking to my boss about it. I was like, man, these people that we work with, they're, uh, I don't have a word, but they remind me of our founding fathers. And I say that because our founding fathers were like, the average age was like 24. And they were like a master swordsman and a carpenter. And they did this. And they also had a degree in law. And they had, uh, and the only word I ended up uh, coming up with, because I was trying to find a way to explain them, is there's a word called polymath. Uh, It's the, uh, I'm looking this up right now. Sounds like uh, a renaissance, man. That's what it sounds like yes. to me. Uh, uh, a renaissance polymath is having learned much. Uh, is an individual whose knowledge spans the central number of subjects known to draw. Yeah, renaissance, man. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And I mean, that's that's definitely how they were back then. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I agree with you and I also don't agree with you because, I mean, at the end of the day, we don't need to grow up now in our society we don't have anything driving us we don't have any like 
our lives will go till 90 and we don't actually have to rely on anything. Uh, as yeah. comparison, you know, Oregon trail, we have to like, we have to find food. We have to find a way to get food. Uh, and if we don't do that, we will starve and die because no one is coming. Uh, you know what I mean? So it like, you have right. to kind of set your, if we forget up. this though, if we forget all that, we're just going to die out, man. No, no, a hundred percent. I agree. But I mean, it's like you set your kids up for success so that they could take care of you. Like that's why you have as many kids as you possibly can. And hopefully you give them tools because if you die, they're on their own. Yeah. And but that's how y- you know what me and you think? I think me and you, I don't know about yours, but my parents, I think they were like set you up for success, right? Me, I'm yeah. thinking now set my daughter up and my, well, not even my daughter, my four kids, I'm like set them up for survival. I don't give a fuck if you get a college. Here's what you need to like survive if shit goes down. Would you agree or no? Yeah, but I mean, again, that's also the shift in our culture, man. Uh, it was, it was the, your, our parents grew up in a different, a different U.S. than we did that didn't look like there could possibly be an end at sight. We now have a possible end at sight. The clock is, is ticking, right? It's closer to doomsday than it's ever been. Uh, the fucking, the, the Huns are circling and uh, Rome is burning. Yeah, but so my like, dad taught me that stuff as well as you need to go to college. Now my, my focus is nothing about education. It's about actually like making it as a decent human being and being able to live on your own. And that's also they we've also the curtain has been moved and we now see that their uh, college is, 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 you know, is a debt scam <laughs> that uh, that yeah. wasn't really there back. You know, what I mean, like nobody was really talking about how college was going to get you in thousands of thousands of dollars of debt back in the early 90s. It was no, you're going to go to college so you get a good job and then you're going to outwork. Me yeah. so you don't or you don't have to work as hard as me. Right. Because that's what your your father was probably setting you up for success wise was so you didn't have to collect your piss. Yeah, you know I guess I mean? that's true. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Dear yeah. Piss, so yeah. It, we're just we're, we're in different fucking different worlds, man. Different perspectives. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm trying to set my kid up how to fucking, you know, make fires because I don't know, man, we got to collect food. I like maybe I'm one of the uh, right wing conspiracists, but. It's it's too easy for us to have a fucking solar flare uh, and lose power because our grid sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Things could go south very What a mess, man. I hate that it's like that now. God. Yeah. Um, I'm, same time, it's exciting because I have this need to fulfill my tactical You're in the lifestyle. worst area, dude. You're in the worst area. Uh, I know, but I, I have this need for violence, and it would be cool if I could take my daughter with me. <laughs> oh, I as as I when you uh, when you meet Mike one day when you you interview Mike, Mike says it the best. He's really he was for Hillary winning. He's for Hillary Clinton winning because he's on the idea that if everybody gets on the boat, the boat might tip. So everybody get on the boat, <laughs> like oh just flip God. that boat over. I'm very pessimistic, but at the same time, though, I love it. What are we here for? I know? can't wait to meet this guy. Oh, dude, it's you'll love him. You'll love him. You get you get back from the deployment. You know what are you doing at that point? What what happened? Uh, so I got back and my platoon sergeant brought me in because they made me a uh, 
oh man, I remember they, they made me a corporal and they're like, you're going to be an E5 soon, which that would never happen. <laughs> but yeah, maybe a corporal. And uh, I remember the first NCO meeting I get in, they, something, somebody, one of the NCOs got like fucked something up and they were talking about who they were going to put it on uh, for lower ranking wise. And I remember I stood up and was like, Hey man, I'm not in the right place. I'm going to end up whistleblowing for you guys. Uh, so let me just leave. And I stood up and I left. And I remember my platoon sergeant asking me like, are you going to go SF or are you going to go EOD again? And I was like, oh shit, I don't know. And he's like, well, you better shit or get off the pot because you're not staying here. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And then I went to the recruiter and I remember walking in the EOD recruiter, like asking me what, what I wanted. And I was like, I don't know if I should go SF or I should talk to you. And then he like pulled me out of like the, uh, the SORB office and was like, dude, you can't be coming in here not knowing what you want to do. And then I was like, well, all right. And he was like, you can always go SF after you go EOD. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going back to EOD, baby. <laughs> so, uh, I like that I he, I like that he pulled you aside and did that because not a lot of guys do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. But again, there's that like in the whole EOD community, there's a, there's a whole treat people like adults thing. So yeah, it was very, um, the, the, the whole special operations side of the house. So yeah, that was my first taste of it again, since I got out of the schoolhouse and it, uh, it consisted of me setting up a packet, getting all the things done. And then, uh, I had on the job training that I ended up going to, and I told you the story, but I had a first sergeant who didn't want me to go OJT and there's a regulation saying that you will go to OJT. So that way we like save money and don't send idiots to the schoolhouse. Yeah. And, uh, he, uh, he found out I went to OJT and then he ended up breaking my good conduct award over his knee and throwing it at my formation. Salty. I got the last laugh though, because I was sitting in a retirement brief with him one day, like when I was ETSing yeah. and him and his were so worried that they had to miss a paycheck because they didn't know that once you retire, and I was like, you're a grown person. You don't have a month's worth of pay. And he was like, no, we weren't ready for this. And I was like, like that. You don't have anything like, you don't have any fallback. I, I told a first sergeant that he was a fucking idiot. I said, you are, you're a fucking idiot. And I was like, and your wife is too for not setting you up with that. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? Do you know who you're talking to? And I was like, yeah, I'm talking to the guy who broke my award over his name. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. And I said Horn, because that's what his last name was. Yeah. Drop name. What an idiot. Jesus. So you do that, you know, you meet up with the recruiter, you just got in pretty quick? Uh, yeah, I mean, it took a little bit. Uh, just because paperwork in the military yeah. takes a little, but it uh, yeah, it ultimately ended up leading me to be a, a part of the 723rd as an OJT, as they referred to me as the most infantry man alive, even though I was a power generation technician. And, uh, we had a, a freaking blast over there too. I uh, met a lot of really really good people that I would follow uh, throughout my career, uh, and they kind of set me up for success uh, the little that they could. Uh, for going back to EOD school. But by the time I went back to EOD school, it was down in Fort Lee again. So the entire system changed. It was a lot less hazing. Yeah. I mean, when I used to, when I went to school the first time, dude, it was hard as fuck. At least yeah. the phase one was. Uh, but I got down to Fort Lee and they kind of standardized it. It made it fairly easy. And That's good. Uh, I yeah, it was, yeah. it was a ride. Well, I, but, Dylan, I want to continue this. Um, I gotta go to bed because I got work in the morning. But uh, 
me and Dylan are going to continue this actually um, here in the next two days or so um, about his journey from his, you know, that second journey into EOD school and then his ultimate career afterwards. So thank you guys so much for listening tonight. Um, We will have the second episode out pretty quick. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, Be sure to uh, listen, like, and subscribe. And we'll see y'all again.